Hello, and welcome to the Encouragement Expert Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Dolphinbaugh with an encouraging word entitled, Into the Oven, The Humbling of America. Praise the Lord. It's a delight to be with each of you today. I love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Let's say a prayer together. Father, we want you to speak to our hearts And we especially pray you'll put angels by each person that hears this message today and just help us really hear from you. Now, we we pray that so that uh, we want intimacy with you. We want to live in such a way that we draw closer to you always, abide in you, Lord, and... uh, and just live in the joy and peace that comes from close fellowship with you. So we pray that you'll use this to that end, and we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now, this message is called Into the Oven, and it's subtitled The Humbling of America. It was several years ago that my wife's parents were dying. They both had Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia and were just really getting bad. And we got in the car to take a drive, and my wife was sobbing, and she was just saying, I'm so sad, I'm so sad. And suddenly the Spirit of God just fell on her powerfully, and she stretched out her hand towards the windshield, and God spoke right through her to us both, but used her as a prophetic vessel. And it was so powerful, I thought the windshield might blow out. And what God said was that very hard times were coming, and he used the word very hard times, but he assured us that he was going to be our source, our protection, our comfort, and our joy through it all, and we were just supposed to stay close to him and abide in him. And so after she stopped prophesying, I said something like, well, I'm glad... uh, God told us that because anytime I'd try to tell Bonnie I thought something negative was coming, she she would never want to hear it. Uh, so I said, I'm glad God told us that. And she said, it's like a cake. The cake batter has to be put in an oven to become a cake to be all that it's intended to be. And I said, well, that's a good analogy. And she said, I know. I just saw it in a vision. <laughs> so, you know, Several years have gone by, and, and of course, we've had, since March, the COVID-19 thing's been going on. But I think the oven experience is, uh, is real close upon us now. I think the body of Christ is like the cake batter, and uh, God's going to use the adversity and the trouble uh, just like he, like a baker would use the oven to make the cake come out just right and uh, take out the cake at just the right time. Now, I do believe the devil wants to destroy. And uh, so, you know how Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So God can allow different things and then make it work out wonderfully for our good. So what the devil means to destroy us, uh, I believe, will end up causing a lot of repentance, a lot of seeking God. I believe it'll deepen our commitment to do God's will and that a great national and international move of God will be ushered in. And I believe it'll be the greatest move of God ever in the history of the human race. Now, my first point is that God is warning his people that the devil is launching an all-out attack to destroy America now in order to prevent a great awakening. 
And there are many different prophetic voices. One in particular that I think it'd be worth your time to watch is a YouTube video by Rabbi Maurice Sklar, S-K-L-A-R. Now, he's a Christian, and it was back on July 1st that God gave him a vision that the next five months of July through November were critical to the very survival of the nation as we know it. And in this vision, he saw uh, several very uh, wealthy, it was several hundred wealthy elites meeting around a huge oval table in some European mountain retreat conference center. And they were putting together a plan to have our government overthrown and replaced. And the plan, he said, is actually in motion right now. Now, what this is, is the spirit of Antichrist trying to gain control of the world prematurely before the allotted time. Now, I'm not going to preach a whole bunch about the end time, but just to say that uh, before God ever lets the Antichrist rule for three and a half years, there would have to be uh, a, a massive worldwide revival, the greatest the world has ever seen, to, to bring in the harvest. And then when everybody's been really confronted by the grace of God, then, then when it's, uh, they've either accepted or rejected it, then, then God will let that uh, end come. Well, the devil doesn't want that revival to come, okay? Now, if you watch the Republican National Convention, I would have to say it was very similar to a revival meeting. Many of the speakers were born-again Christians and spoke openly about salvation through Jesus. I thought it was wonderful. Now, those who hate God and hate Christ, though, are really riled up. And Paul wrote this interesting verse. He said, For we are to God the sweet fragrance of Christ, which ascends to God, discernible both among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to the latter one an aroma of death to death, a fatal, offensive odor, but to the other an aroma from life to life, a vital fragrance, living and fresh. And who is adequate and sufficiently qualified for these things? That's 2 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16 in the Amplified Translation. So what Paul said there is that uh, us born-again, spirit-filled people, we have a spiritual fragrance. We smell good to God and anybody that's coming to God or on God's side. But to those who hate God, who are against God, we actually smell like uh, the smell of death. We smell terrible. And so those who are hardened in sin and rebellion uh, think we're really bad. Remember Hillary Clinton called uh, people who would vote for Donald Trump a basket of deplorables. Well, now many on the far left are calling Christians and anyone they think would vote for President Trump uh, worse names like treasonous, traitors. Well, traitors, you know, you can, you can execute them, you can put them to death. So there's just a great deal of hate out there. And you remember Jesus said, they hated me without a cause. Now, Maurice Sklar was very emphatic, very emphatic that much prayer combined with fasting and much humbling and repenting on the part of the body of Christ could prevent this demonic plan from succeeding. I mean, you can't prevent it from being attempted, but we can prevent it from succeeding. All right, now, uh, our prayers are going to be the determining factor as to whether these evil plans succeed or fail. 
So, my friend, we cannot have a wait-and-see attitude. And I want to just tell you that I am totally against a wait-and-see attitude. Now, during the last few weeks, I uh, somebody uh, notified me that there was a pastor in Kentucky named Dana Coverstone, an Assembly of God pastor, and uh, that he had put out some prophetic dreams. And so I watched his video of the first three dreams, and um, then later I watched uh, all the different dreams that he's posted. Now, some people have said, well, the, see, the dreams are mostly all really scary and uh, bad, frankly, about bad things going to happen. So some people will say, well, we'll wait and see if any of that happens. Personally, I think that's what the devil wants us to do is wait and see. I believe that uh, although the man is sincere, I think it was the devil himself that was giving him those dreams. And uh, I believe the devil was showing him what the devil plans to do. It's just that he, he didn't uh, make it clear whether it was God going to do it or the devil going to do it or uh, didn't say what could be prevented. All right. So uh, in his dreams, there was a white figure and this, uh, he didn't say it was Jesus, but he acted like he thought it was Jesus or perhaps an angel, but he just said it was a white figure. And this figure always says, brace yourself for what's coming. So uh, I believe he was being shown what the devil wants to do in the hopes that Christians would either get all fearful and accept it with a fatalism as if it's God warning us and therefore can't be stopped, or else that we'll be skeptical and just wait and see and not prevent it by prayer. Now, remember this, dear friend, what the devil wants and what intercessors want are two very different things. And Jesus told us, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, John 15, 7 through 8. Well, he hasn't said that to the devil. He hasn't said that to the Satanists or the uh, billionaire elites. He said that to his own followers. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. So what we wish, what we want, is extremely significant. And it overpowers and overcomes what the devil wants. So let me ask you, do you want all Christian schools to be shut down? Do you want all charter schools to be done away with? You see, that is the announced agenda of the Democratic Party, and I believe that's the very will of Satan himself. What do you want? I can tell you what I want. <laughs> I want there to be vouchers for every parent so that they can choose what school to send their kids to. And uh, President Trump has promised, that's his agenda for the next four years, part of it anyway, is to uh, make school vouchers for every parent. What that would do is break the power of the demonic educational system that's teaching the youth of America evolution and all the craziness of the transgender confusion and uh, some of the most immoral sex education and you know it just gets worse and worse. Plus, they're teaching that America is inherently evil, that all white people are racist. And Well, I'll tell you what, I don't believe God wants that kind of education. 
Jesus said, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So I believe it's God's will, for instance, that the abortion industry be overthrown and purged from our society. And that would require a president to appoint judges that are not antichrist in spirit. So no wonder the devil wants to overthrow our government. It's uh, too close to a great national revival. The devil wants to keep on killing, stealing, and destroying the unborn, and particularly the blacks. Um, Sid Roth was talking to uh, Kevin Zadai about how the devil tried to prevent, uh, he knew that a deliverer was coming for Israel, and so he had Pharaoh killing all the little baby boys, and God had to supernaturally protect Moses and, and, and raise him up. And then they, they told about how Planned Parenthood was birthed out of the desire to have black babies aborted and, uh, and cut down on the, on the black race. So the question was, if the devil hates the black people that much, God must have a very special assignment for the, for the blacks. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Why does the devil hate them so bad? Well, God has something very special in mind. Now, are you going to let the devil fulfill his vision for America? You say, well, Wes, what can I do to stop it? You have power to ask in the name of Jesus for God to send legions of angels into our major cities, into this nation. You see, God is a prayer answering God. Now, my second point, I do believe that God has decreed a great humbling for America. We know that America has a tremendous amount of sin and idolatry. And, and probably, if we could say what's the worst sin of all, it'd probably be ingratitude for all of our blessings where we didn't acknowledge that they came from God. But you see, what the devil plans can be stopped or altered by prayer. But what God decrees is going to happen no matter what. So whenever there's some prophetic vision or prophetic word about the future, then we have to discern, is that God and his vision that can't be changed? Or is that something the devil plans to do that's not final, that's not locked in, that we do not have to accept and must not accept? Now, even things that God is going to do can many times be affected by intercessory prayer. For instance, God told Moses, back away from these people. I'm going to destroy them all. And I'll make a greater nation out of you. And Moses was able to intercede so that God didn't instantly destroy, you know, 600,000 men and all the women and children. And But then God said, they've angered me and doubted me and spoke evil of me so much that I'm not going to take any of these adults into the promised land. I'll let them die in the desert for the next 40 years, and I'll take their children in. And that couldn't be altered. That was God's final decision. Now, when God gave Pharaoh of Egypt two parallel dreams back in Joseph's day, uh, that was before, you know, many, many years before Moses came along, but uh, God sent Joseph ahead into Egypt. He ended up interpreting Pharaoh's parallel dreams. And 
Joseph said the dream came in two parts because first he saw fat cows coming up out of the Nile and then and seven of them and then he saw seven real skinny ugly cows come out and and eat the fat cows and then in another dream he saw seven great big fat ears of corn but seven withered horrible looking ears came and ate the fat and uh, both the skinny cows and the skinny ears of corn didn't get any fatter when they ate the the fat ones now Joseph said the reason it came in two forms is because the matter's firmly decided by God and you know when that's the case there's anything that's going to change it but remember if it's not firmly decided by God if it's just what the devil plans to do then of course it can be either prevented or greatly altered or moderated so I believe that God has decreed a humbling for America because you can't bring revival to a nation if it's in rebellion idolatry and pride and ingratitude it, it would he gives grace to the humble he resists the proud so in Maurice Sklar's vision, God told him, America will be humbled before me. Then the third great awakening will come, but in very difficult times. Well, friend, we can humble ourselves and then it'll be much easier on us because we'll start getting grace, which is God's activated power. And God makes miracles out of a problem and he mixes grace with the problem and that's what makes miracles. So if we humble ourselves, we'll begin, even in, when all the trouble comes, we will be right in the flow of divine provision, divine protection, divine joy. And, uh, but if God has to humble us, that means that he'll take back many of the gifts and good things that he gave us until we humble ourselves and acknowledge that everything we had was from him. Now, he said something similar through Hosea back in Israel's day when they had gone into deep idolatry for several hundred years. Finally, God said, I'm going to return and I'm going to take away my corn in the time thereof and the season thereof, and I'll recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. Hosea 2.9. What God is just saying, I'm going to come take back all the blessings I gave them. So that's, you know, God can do things like that to humble, to humble us, but he doesn't want to make us an antichrist communist nation farther away from God. He wants us to be a revived nation. Now, a Marxist communist takeover of America is the devil's plan, and overthrowing the next election through voter fraud is the devil's plan. I personally believe uh, Donald J. Trump is going to win the presidential election, but the forces of evil are, are already moving to mail out many, many ballots so that there's ballot harvesting and fraudulent ballots and letting uh, people who aren't uh, citizens vote and all kinds of trickery is in the works. Well, the idea there is that even if he wins the election to keep counting mail-in ballots, keep ballots coming in, keep finding boxes of ballots until 
Joe Biden is declared the winner. And in the meantime, to have real strong riots and uh, uh, terrible uprisings. In other words, the left just simply will not accept uh, for Donald Trump to get a second term. They're gonna, there's gonna be an explosion. Now that explosion is not God, that's the devil. And uh, Kevin Zadai, who had a great program with uh, Sid Roth, was telling us that we need to bind, use our, you know, Jesus said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we have tremendous spiritual authority and we must use that as well as our intercessory prayer and simply not allow the devil's plan to happen. My third point, what is immediately ahead of us? Now, Pastor Dana Coverstone's ominous dreams have been viewed millions of times and on YouTube, so you may have already heard of them. And uh, his first dream warned him of this coming epidemic, and he saw that it was going to happen in March. And then he saw that riots were going to begin to happen in June, and of course that came to pass. But that does not mean that these visions are from God because the devil could have showed him what the devil was planning to do. Now, in another dream, he saw that a great big $100 bill was on a flagpole like a flag, and this U.S. $100 bill had burned to one-third of its length. And then in the dream, a finger underlined the second and third week of October. And so he believes that hyperinflation is going to hit in October. That's not very far away. And he saw like the roof coming off of banks and money being sucked out of banks and things of that nature. He, he saw that uh, in, in these dreams, coins would no longer be available and that the banker told him that $1 bills and $5 bills would soon not be available. Well, I'm not saying that that's God or that that will happen, but I do believe the devil wants that to happen, and perhaps we can prevent it in prayer. I, I don't like the idea of trying to print my books and sell my books in, an, in a time of hyperinflation. That sounds very, very difficult. If we can avoid that, I sure do want to. And then this uh, pastor, Dana Coverstone, he saw uh, in one of these visions, a fist hit the calendar when it was turned to November and it just, you know, exploded. And then he saw riots and cities burning. And, you know, now plans are already announced by left-wing groups that that's exactly what they're going to do if, if Joe Biden doesn't win by, by a landslide. But see, again, I'm saying that that's what the devil wants to do, which can be affected perhaps prevented or modified by our prayers. Now, like I said, I've watched all of his uh, visions repeatedly. My first reaction was negative. He had announced that he reads 40 different newspapers a day. And he also said he believes the Antichrist is alive on the earth right now. So those are two red flags because the Bible clearly says the Antichrist is in the bottomless pit and he'll uh, he once was and now is not and is yet to come. 
And so the Antichrist cannot be alive on the earth. That's just false theology. And then if you read um, 40 newspapers a day, most of the media is controlled by evil spirits. So that would mean you're getting a huge influx of negativity. And perhaps that opened some door in his spirit to receive these dreams from a wrong source. But as I watched some of the different ones, then I then I sort of warmed up to it a little bit like, well, maybe this is God. For instance, he saw uh, puffed up preachers, false prophets and false teachers who were in very expensive suits and very prideful. And uh, in the dream, their clothes started to come off and their speech got slurred as if they were drunk. And finally, they were naked and a rug was pulled out from under them and they flew up in the air and all their money flew away. And when they landed, they landed so hard that they bit off their tongues and were trying to get their tongues back and could not. Well, I thought, wow, these are detailed dreams. Uh, you know, maybe God's going to bring judgment on these preachers that have used their ministry to just rip people off and make false promises and then get filthy rich. Now, in another one, and this is just a wild dream, but he saw Joe Biden and Kamala Harris with a, 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 in a covered wagon, and it was pulled by a team of mules, and Joe Biden was riding on one of the mules, and Kamala Harris was driving the wagon, and she was whipping the mules and whipping Joe Biden as well, but he was unaware of it. And she had a, a, a device like you'd push the handle down in, in a, and, and blow up dynamite, a detonating device that was sitting by her, and the, and the covered wagon was loaded with boxes of dynamite, and they were headed for a target. This is all his wild dream, okay? Now, the target was Hillary Clinton, who was holding a knife to Donald Trump's throat, and he was on his knees, and she had some kind of a skeleton key around her neck, and it was dangling down in front of the president who was on his knees. And, and then in the dream, he jerked down on that key with one hand and threw his fist back with the other hand and hit her in the face so that she dropped the knife and stepped into a large bear trap that was right next to her, and he was able to escape, get in his presidential car, uh, while bullets were fired at him and secret service agents stepped and took three bullets for him. And then in this dream, the covered wagon crashed into Hillary and exploded and the mules were fried as in a barbecue and Joe Biden was seen lying face down with wagon tracks over him and a vulture on his head. And Kamala Harris was crying tears as large as quarters. So I thought to myself, wow, these dreams are really creative and finely detailed, and they'd be entertaining if they were not so ominous. But at least I thought, well, that dream's not so bad because this sounds like the president's going to survive. But the last two dreams I watched were really more like nightmares. Uh, and I don't even want to quote one of them, but the, the last one, I was really angered by it. It was about uh, people pulling the Statue of the Liberty off her base and into the water and then running over her, maiming the Statue of Liberty, cutting off her arms and running over her with the boat until she sank. And he didn't say that was preventable by prayer. He didn't say if it was God's plan or the devil plan. The idea of that, of course, the symbolism of it was that all Americans all of, of America's freedoms would be lost. That's the implication of that dream. Uh, 
And so I just got really angry at that. And I thought, you know, that's completely irresponsible to give such a dream uh, without making it clear whose plan it is. So is it the plan of God? Is it the plan of the devil? Can it be prevented? And if so, why not give the admonition to pray and prevent it? But nothing like that was said, and it left the viewer in despair. Now, both Dana Coverstone's dreams and Maurice Sklar's visions have seen long food lines. And in Dana Coverstone's dreams, one of them, he saw lights going out across the nation as the power grid was uh, failing. And then in one, he saw that the Baltic dry index was at zero and no ships were going in or out of the harbors. Well, I didn't know what that was. I had to look it up. And the Baltic dry index is the a way they measure trade by ships across the oceans. And in his dream, it had, all, it had all stopped. And he saw Christmas without lights, without celebration, without presents, people huddled in homes with coats on. Now, listen carefully. I believe that those dreams, my belief is that that's not the Holy Spirit warning us, but that it was an evil spirit doing a PR job trying to get us to believe that that's exactly what's going to happen and so that we accept it and we don't, we don't uh, intercede, we don't pray, we don't bind. But God, you know, through other people, is warning us that great attacks are coming. All right? And uh, what should we do to prepare physically? That's my fourth point. Now, over and over in these uh, and, and other warnings, uh, we are hearing people say that we need to repent and we get right with God, we need to pray. And of course, we know that's good. And of course, we know we need to do that. In Dana Coverstone's first video, he said that we need to store food, get alternative, alternative currency like gold or silver, and have guns and ammunition to protect our families from lawlessness that the police may not be able to protect us from. Now, I don't believe that's a word from the Lord. I believe that's human logic. And it, human logic can be good, but you don't ever want to put your trust in your food or your ammunition or your gold or your silver because, of course, people can steal all of that. It's... So I say it's human logic. It's not, it's not the same as come under my wing or abide in me. Now, Kevin Zedai was on this uh, It's Supernatural with Sid Roth, and he had, was telling about a five-hour visitation of Jesus. And he was shown uh, great trouble coming to America. But Jesus told him, listen to this, Jesus told him that it's not from God, it's from the devil and that the church does need to prepare physically, but especially the church needs to bind the demonic forces and intercede for God's will to be done. And so his interview comes off very encouraging. And uh, Kevin Zadai, Z-A-D-A-I, and uh, you can Google It's Supernatural with Sid Roth. I think the interview was back in August. And I urge you to watch that. It's a double program. It's a long interview. But uh, it will warn you of things that are come, coming, but it will encourage you. 
which is very different from these dreams that Pastor uh, Coverstone had, which basically uh, promote fear and despair. Now, if hyperinflation is something that cannot be prevented by prayer, there is not much time to act. And I have never been any good at telling people what to do with their money. I am not any type of advisor when it comes to that. Uh, but maybe you do want to do something to put some of your funds into gold or silver. It's, it's very possible that there could be hyperinflation. And the reason is we don't have to have a prophetic word to know that our government has supposedly borrowed money for all this COVID-19 relief and the massive deficits. I think the deficit is at, at, at uh, $3 trillion deficit. So when they borrow money, what they do is that that's not loaned to us by other countries. See, we're not borrowing from other countries. We're, they are digitally digitally creating money on the on the computer and it's just a few strokes of the keys and trillions of dollars are added now gold the reason gold has value is because there's not very much gold in the world and because there's not very much of it it holds its value and the more people that want the gold since there's not much of it then the price goes up but you see, with dollars, when you can add trillions of them, it devalues the dollars that other people had in their savings account. So it's not hard to, I don't know that you need a prophetic word to realize that the dollar is being greatly devalued. And of course, it's been going down in value for years. You can look at the graph. It's just like a steep hill going down. And... Uh, so you better pray about that in case God wants you to do something. Now, when I pastored in Omaha, Nebraska, <clears throat> I did a sermon about debt. And I decided that I'd take a balloon and I'd start inflating it like the government inflates the currency, see? Now, I was going to blow up this balloon and keep blowing it and blowing it and, and, until it, it popped. Well, I didn't rehearse that. So I got this balloon and, and in the sermon now, people are watching me and I'm blowing it. And it just keeps getting bigger and keeps getting bigger. And eventually this balloon got three feet long and about one foot thick. I was getting exhausted and it was taking like 10 minutes or something. I was embarrassed and I was, you know, but I, I kept going and eventually to my relief, it popped. And then my point was made. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget how long it took because I began to think maybe this thing ain't never going to pop. Now, that's the way it is with our inflated currency. We've been watching this happen for so long that we thought it would pop a long time ago. We thought there'd be, you know, you know, and it's like, well, maybe it never will pop. Maybe you can just keep inventing monopoly money here on the computer screen. Well, I believe, you know, that you can't keep doing that forever. And so God most likely has some kind of a strategy f for us all. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to ask him. Now, here's something I intend to do. I, I want to buy a propane built-in generator for a backup source of electricity for my home. And I've, I've had some stored food. I got some extra recently. 
And uh, so I want to see what I can do to protect my family. Now, if you do want to put some of your savings into gold or silver, uh, the one that I found that had the, the best price was called SD, like South Dakota, but it's just sdbullion.com. They're, they're not based in South Dakota, but sdbullion.com. You can compare Roslyn Capital, goldline.com, there's a, and there's probably many, many other ones, and just do some comparison comparison shopping because you can get uh, very different prices. Some are way, way higher than others. Now, my fifth point is about fasting and prayer. You don't have to be prophetic to read the news. So when we see that the ballots are being mailed out and that the Democrats don't want uh, people have to sign with a signature or prove anything, uh, that they even want uh, illegal uh, aliens or immigrants to vote, that, ri- that uh, certain left-wing groups are promising to riot if Biden doesn't win in a landslide. Well, then, folks, you know we're headed for great crisis, okay? You don't have to hear a prophetic voice to say that. Just wake up and read the news. Now, this friend, listen carefully to me. The situation before us is very serious, and I believe we need to fast and pray, and we need to repent of anything we can repent of and humble ourselves before God. We need to seek God earnestly, daily, and draw very close to Him. And, you know, I... I was telling God this morning, you know, what I really want is just intimacy with God. It's not that I want to seek God for provision or protection or for this or for that or blessing or no. no I just, I want God. I remember one time I had these two little kids and I was going to take a picture for a book called Sweethearts and Partners to teach people bus ministry. And I had the little kids set on my knee, and we got a beautiful picture. I told them, if you're good at the, at the photographer, I'll take you to a toy store, and I'll buy you each a toy. So the little boy ran around the toy store, pointing to the top shelf where the toys were really, really expensive. And the little girl walked around holding my hand. And I said, sweetheart, don't you want to pick out a toy? And she said, oh, just get something for my brother. I'm just happy being with you. <laughs> well, I wanted to buy that little girl the whole toy store, and I wanted to get that little boy something like a, a yo-yo, you know. But I often thought of that. If, if our attitude is, Lord, it's, it's not all the toys that I want. It's not all this or that. I, I want you. And friend, I urge you, just want to be with God, want to fellowship with God, want to hear from God, want to please him. And everything tends to work out when you just want to hold his hand. All right? Now, when we fast, we are humbling ourselves on a different level. And I have never been a big fan of fasting, but I just, I fasted three days recently, and I plan to fast some more before the election. Because you can read in the Bible when there was great crises, they would fast and pray and get their breakthrough. So in Second Chronicles chapter 20, three great armies were coming to destroy Judah, and they had a solemn assembly where everybody fasted and prayed. And then God said, the battle's mine. I'll fight the battle. They sent the choir out ahead of the army, and God had the three armies get in a fight with each other, and not a single man, it was something like 
several million enemy soldiers were all killed. Not even one was left. Took the Jews many days to carry off all the plunder. And then when King Hezekiah led a revival, then the king of Assyria, the devil came to stop the revival, was going to destroy the king of Assyria. That was a devil's plan, you see. But the king and the prophet Isaiah prayed, and God sent an angel that killed 185,000 enemy troops in one night, and the nation was delivered. See, now we've got to do something like that. We've got to save our nation from the devil's plan. And listen, folks, we have the ability to get an answer to prayer. The billionaire elites from around the world who serve the devil, they may have witchcraft power, they may have lots of money, but they cannot get Almighty God to answer their prayers. See? So witchcraft and money is, is just like nothing before the moving of the Holy Spirit and the interjection of of extremely powerful angels that outnumber all the devil's forces and they're greater in power. Now, one thing that I've been seeing is because right now, of course, the whole west coast of the United States is in a catastrophic fire uh, crisis. And the smoke in our area has been like one-eighth of a mile visibility for several days. It's almost impossible to buy... Um, filters for for your air conditioner for your furnace system the air filters are just sold out like used to be hard to get toilet paper and so what i'm seeing is that hey you can disagree with these democratic governors who are attributing everything to climate change and and not properly managing the forest but you know what they need our prayers they just need our prayers it's a, a very difficult job to to be a sheriff or a police commissioner or a mayor or a governor. And I'm just having a change of heart to where I'm, I'm praying earnestly that God will, will help them and reveal himself to them. And I believe that's something God wants the whole body of Christ to do is pray for those in authority, even if we don't agree with much of their thinking. Now, Remember I said that it was going to be like a, a cake going into the oven and, and you're going to bake the cake. The batter's got to go into the oven because it can't become a cake if it doesn't. But I think everybody better get into God's cake batter pan, so to speak. You better get in the kingdom <laughs> uh, because the oven could burn you up. And think of a self-cleaning oven. You know, they get so hot that they burn up all the little splatters and baking debris and they just burn it up. So the times that are coming that are very difficult would be terrifying for people that aren't close to the Lord, see? But for us, for, for people that draw near to God, then God will do what he said to us when he warned through my, through my wife in that prophetic word. Just draw near to him. Just be close to him. Just abide in him. He's going to wonderfully take care of us. Now, my sixth point is... Should we do something better than brace ourselves? The recurring theme of all of Dana Coverstone's uh, spiritual dreams were these words, brace yourselves, brace, brace, brace yourselves. And that was what the, the white figure that he assumes to be the Lord uh, kept saying. And in only one vision did it say, brace yourselves on my word and my promises. 
but the white figure never showed the palms of his hands, never identified himself as Jesus Christ. And so I, I should have picked it up immediately, but you see, nowhere in the Bible does God tell his own people to brace themselves. A brace is a prop. And uh, you brace yourself if you're going to be shaken. But you see, the Bible says uh, he will not allow or permit the righteous to be shaken. Now, what Jesus does say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So we don't brace ourselves with God's words and God's promises because a brace is a prop. And the word of God to us is not a prop. It's our meat, our milk, our honey, our living water, our light, our life. So that uh, kind of temporarily slowed me down when the, when the white figure said, brace yourself on my word, my promises. I thought, well, maybe that's the Lord. But then when I, when I saw that last dream that made me so angry of the, of the Statue of Liberty being destroyed, I, I, I realized, no, no, God doesn't talk to us about bracing ourselves with his word. We feed on his word. We abide in him, his word abides in us. It's never just a prop. Now, I can't think of anywhere in the Bible where God tells people to brace themselves. You see, that sounds like self-help to me. Brace yourself sounds like self-help. And over and over, the Bible says the righteous will not be shaken. Now, friend, listen, if you're not going to be shaken, why do you need to brace yourself? If you abide in the shadow of the Almighty, why would you need to brace yourself? If you're coming under God's sheltering wing, like Jesus said, Jerusalem, I've longed to gather you as a hen would gather her chicks, but you are not willing. Well, I'm willing, and God wants us to come under his wing. Well, when you're under his protecting wing, why would you need to brace yourself? The Bible talks about God being our rock, our fortress, our high tower, our wrap-around shield. That's the Passion Translation, God God's word says that he's our shield and our buckler. Well, the Passion Translation calls it a wraparound shield. It's a wraparound shield. Why would we need to brace ourselves then? You see, what the white figure is actually telling you is you are going to be shaken and you're going to be shaken badly. So brace, brace, brace yourself. And you know what that is? That's an accusation. That's an accusation that you are not righteous that you are going to be shaken. That's why I finally thought, you know what? There ain't, there ain't no way that that white figure could be Jesus. This pastor's being tormented by these dreams. I believe he's been shown what the devil plans to do. I do believe that. I believe it's just the devil showing him exactly what he wants to do in the hopes that we'll get fearful. Uh, let me interject this. It's not in my notes, but remember when Elijah destroyed the prophets of Baal and Jezebel, the wicked queen, sent a word to him, may the gods do so to me and more so if by tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Now, why did she say, I'm going to send an assassin to kill you tomorrow? Because he was untouchable as long as he was in faith. And the demons in her were trying to get him into fear so that he would be vulnerable. And I believe the devil wants you and all the other Christians to get in fear so we're vulnerable. And that's why brace, brace, brace yourself. 
I don't believe that's God saying that because that promotes fear. And God said this Psalms, memorize Psalms 55, 22. God will not permit the righteous to be shaken. Or in one translation, God will not permit the righteous to be moved. Well, if he won't permit it to be shaken, then you would need to brace yourself. Now, the whole verse there, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Now that promotes faith. He will never, not even in 2020, not even in 2021, not even in an election cycle. He'll never let the righteous be shaken. Now, God spoke to that to me one time. I was flying to North Carolina, and on the airplane, God beamed into me, you will not be shaken, and that jarred me. I thought, oh, really? Uh, I was always looking at my cell phone to see what the news was to see what would shake me. And so God says, you will not be shaken. So when I looked up all the verses, wow, I got excited. Psalms 21, 7, for the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High. He will not be shaken. Psalm 62, truly he is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. Psalms 112, 6, surely the righteous will never be shaken. Psalms 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar with foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, when Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul in prison, when he was arrested in Jerusalem, Jesus did not say, Paul, brace yourself. Brace yourself for an assassination plot, two extra years in prison, a hurricane, a shipwreck, a snake bite, and a plague. Now, those are all things that Paul was going to be going through. But you know what Jesus said? He said, take courage, Paul. As you've testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must testify for me in Rome. You see, Jesus doesn't talk about brace yourself. He says, take courage. Friend, we're supposed to test the spirits. 1 John 4.1 tells us, test the spirits. Well, I believe that brace yourself is very fatalistic and it's actually an accusation that you're not righteous. Now, I do believe that God is going to humble America. I believe the church is going to have an oven experience, but the cake has to get baked to become the cake, all right? To become everything we're supposed to be, we can't just... Uh, Everything can't just be uh, perfect down here. We'd never, never really get serious with God, perhaps. Now, back in October of 2008, I got a prophetic word through a reliable man, and Jesus told me that a great storm was coming in 2008. And he said, uh, see the storm clouds. Now, he said, uh, you walk with me and hold my hand. And he said, don't stray even an arm's length from me. So that's the way God talks. Come under my wing or don't stray from me. But he doesn't use the words brace yourself. He uses words like take courage. Now, James wrote, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. And God said through Isaiah, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you, Isaiah 46, 4. Now, remember, if it's the judgment of God, you can't brace yourself for the judgment of God. Here's an example. 
through, through Hosea, God said, for I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I'll tear them to pieces and go away. I'll carry them off with no one to rescue them. Then I will return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my face. In their misery, they'll earnestly seek me. Now, you see, the message there is if it's from God, you can't brace yourself. There's no way you could brace yourself for the judgment of God. But if it's what the devil's going to do, you don't need to brace yourself. Instead, you seek the face of God. You draw near to God. You humble yourself before God, and he'll exalt you. You take courage. Another Psalm 125 says, Those who trust in the Lord are as unshakable and as unmovable as mighty Mount Zion. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord's wraparound presence surrounds his people, protecting them now and forever. You got to say praise the Lord, don't you? Now, clearly, if you trust the Lord, you don't have to brace yourself. All right, so I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to abide in him. I'm going to uh, be seeking to do his will every day, every moment. I want to walk with him and hold his hand. All right, I'm going to pray that great big armies of warring angels go into my future and the future of my country. I'm going to bind the destructive powers of the devil, mess up his plans through prayer and intercession. Now, my last point is what I believe Jesus is saying to the church in this hour. All right? What is Jesus saying to the church in this hour? I call to mind what Jesus said to Martha when they stood before Lazarus' tomb, and Jesus said to take away the stone. And she said, Lord, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been dead four days. Now, what did Jesus say? Did he say, brace yourself, Martha? I'm going to have this stone taken away. It's going to be really bad. It's going to smell really bad. So brace, brace, brace yourself. No. When Martha said that to him, he said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? That's the way Jesus talks. Now, God wants his people to believe for a miracle of deliverance from all that the devil has planned. And the situation may be bad. It may stink. <laughs> But God wants us to believe and see the glory of God manifested. So God always admonishes his own to have faith, to trust, to draw near, and to rejoice in the midst of trials. What does brace yourself have to do with faith? Frankly, not a thing. Now, what did Jesus say to the parents of the little girl who uh, they were bringing Jesus to heal her, but someone came and said, don't bother the teacher, your daughter's already dead. Did Jesus say, now we're going to go into the house, brace yourself? No. He said, uh, do not fear, only believe. Now, here's my conclusion. Dear friend, you don't need a prophetic word to know that our power grid is aging, creaking, in danger of many failures. You don't need a prophetic word to see that the Democratic Party, who believes in murdering children in the womb, would persecute you in a heartbeat if they could get away with it. The news is telling us of riots and plans for riots. But what did Jesus say? He said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Now, isn't that a lot different than brace yourself? We're hearing of riots and rumors of riots. But he said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. 
See to it that you're not alarmed. All right, here's the bottom line, folks. God wants to humble America and bring about a great spiritual awakening. The devil wants to destroy America and prevent the great spiritual awakening. Now, we can agree with God. The Bible says this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have what we asked of him. 1 John 5, 14. We can ask God to save America from destruction and only humble America. And then America is going to go into a great spiritual awakening that will affect the entire world. That's God's will. Now, I want to close with this story of Daniel. You know, Daniel was a very godly man, and uh, he went through the fall of uh, two great empires. Judah fell, the nation of Judah fell, and he was taken captive to Babylon. He stayed there all those years. And finally, the Persians came in and overthrew the Babylonians, and he was uh, kept on to be an administrator, and the Persian king was going to put him over the whole to administrate the whole country. And then 120 of the highest princes and uh, other governors decided they weren't going to get him thrown into the lion's den and destroyed. And so they got the king to make a law that if you prayed to anybody other than the king for 30 days, you'd be thrown into the lion's den. Now, God, Daniel didn't do anything to brace himself. When he heard that decree had been signed by the king and nothing could change that when the Persians signed it, they had a, their tradition was that you could never change something signed by the king. So the devil's plan was in motion, but Daniel didn't brace himself. He just kept loving and seeking God. He just kept right on praying three times a day. So they came and arrested him, and this, they threw him into the lion's den. <laughs> but God sent an angel, shut the mouths of the lions. And when the king called down the next morning, has your God whom you serve continually been able to save you from the lions? He said, oh, king, live forever. God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. Well, the king lifted him up. And then the king threw all the people that had accused Daniel and their families into the lion's den. And the lions broke their bones in pieces before they hit the bottom of the den. Now, remember, my friend, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is the activated power of God. We won't be like those who have to be humbled externally. Let's just uh, humble ourselves before God. We'll fast, we'll pray, we'll believe, we'll take courage, we'll abide in him, we'll just love God. And he will not permit the righteous to be shaken. I want you to believe with me that a miracle be preserved and not only preserved, but come out sanctified into a great national revival that affects the entire world. Lord, that's what we want. That's what we ask for. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com. Or you can write P.O. Box 485, Cresswell, Oregon 97426.